It's time now for the Lamb McElwain Legal Show. Each show, heard every other Thursday at 1230, will feature different lawyers and their guests from the law firm of Lamb McElwain. Good afternoon. My name is Jim Sargent. And uh, I'm Guy Donatelli. And we hope that everyone out there is uh, is uh, doing well, uh, health, staying healthy, uh, and uh, starting to enjoy the nice weather. We're principals at Lamb McElane PC, a full-service regional law firm based in Westchester with locations in Philadelphia and Newtown Square. Lamb McElane has been serving Chester County and the region since 1948. You can visit us on the website at www.lammacklane.com or call us at 610-430-8000. So, um Today, Jim and I are going to try to uh, uh, discuss uh, some aspects of where we see our post-pandemic world, uh, and we're going to try to do it in, in a way that um, uh, is uh, more akin to a casual conversation because everybody has an opinion on what may occur, how it may occur, the significance of it. And what Jim and I would like to do is um, uh, is sort of discuss uh, how what we've all uh, been through the last couple of months, uh, and while you know I know we're all in the same storm, but maybe not in the same boat, we all have a, a lot of common experiences, especially as it relates to our employment uh, and our uh, contact with uh, our coworkers. And so what we wanted to do was sort of speculate a bit uh, as to um, uh, how that employment may change, uh, not what we do, but but how we do it. And uh, we've heard a lot about essential employees, and I think we're going to discuss a little bit uh, about uh, what is and isn't essential and how that definition might change going forward across um, across uh, discipline. So Guy and I are back in our office, uh, having spent uh, um, approximately eight weeks um, working remotely primarily, and uh, we are now in the post-COVID world trying to implement prudent practices in terms of how we manage our essentially white-collar jobs. Um, and and the court system has implemented similar practices. For example, you have to go through the screening process with face masks on. It's left to the discretion of the trial judge how to manage the courtroom. But people uh, initially have to wear face masks. Juries will be distanced. Witnesses and lawyers will be socially distanced. Things like that. Um, for some in jobs that require hands-on skilled work, such as carpenters, plumbers, mechanics, people in retail sales or in cleaning and maintenance work, and all manner of healthcare, employment may not have changed at all, although perhaps it was interrupted from time to time. Um, and people in those jobs are um, implementing social distancing just as we are. Uh, I uh... And why is that relevant to what we're about to discuss? You know, everybody 
uh, everybody's job has value. Everybody's career has has value to him or herself and their families. And uh, we have uh, instituted a, a system of of, of work uh, designed to promote the various you know the various trades. Uh, and we've kind of gone along that way for years. I mean, I'm I'm because I've been an attorney for the license since. 1985, and, and uh, my life has been uh, re- revolves around the office. Uh, Jim's a little bit more senior than me, not much more, uh, but he did use www before he gave our uh, address, so you can kind of suspect that he's a little older than me. In any event, uh, we we uh, we're used to working in, in the office, uh, and uh, we sort of value ourselves as people in the office available to clients at at the drop of a hat. Uh, And and other folks, the same way. Uh, Very difficult to do a rough framing job or or lay some pipe if if you're not on site. Different for other folks. Uh, And and now that we've been all forced to kind of stay in our homes for a particular period of time, that whole office environment has changed. Uh, you know, the real valued employees are the folks in the in the trucks and the delivery vans and in the hospitals and the emergency rooms, uh, basically on the front lines. Uh, and as Jim pointed out, uh, it's it's uh, uh, their jobs have have essentially stayed the same, but a lot more difficult, interrupted, uh, and they're really carrying a lot of water. Well, what about folks who work in the office? The office is closed because the governor and, and uh, uh, the secretary of uh, health and human services has said, go home, uh, don't touch anything, wear masks, don't communicate, uh, don't go to restaurants, social distance, six feet apart. What do you do if, if, if you work in an office uh, and uh, you can't do that anymore? Well, what we instituted was a work-at-home uh, remotely program, as did a number of different employers, and and I'm going to be a little provocative and and sort of and sort of start the conversation provocatively. A lot of people who had office positions and other positions, uh, once they were relegated to a home office working remotely, uh, the the uh, work environment has come to the conclusion, or at least is beginning to come to the conclusion, that some folks just ain't necessary. Not because they didn't do a good job, but because the manner in which the office is being staffed and the way work is being performed and the almost uh, immediate uh, acceptance of of work at home and remote uh, meetings, including depositions and municipal meetings, has has basically made some folks uh, unessential because they're not necessary to do a particular job. And what I'd like to do, and I think what I'm going to ask Jim to do, is start up this conversation. And what can employers and employees who may find themselves confronting this situation do, or um, uh, how can they account for or otherwise address what we think is going to be inevitable in the in the uh, in the workplace? Now, there are some interesting trends uh, appearing nationwide. Uh, you know, 
a lot of companies have and may in the future shift from office to work from home or remote work um, until there is a final all clear or permanently. Um, and for example, commercial real estate prices may be impacted. Jack Dorsey, who, who's the head of Twitter and Square, apparently has told his employees they can work from home forever. Google and Facebook, Facebook have told employees they can work from home through the end of 2020. Um, and for people who are working from home, there may be new standards for performance and accountability. It may be a lot easier to track keystrokes on a computer or uh, monitor uh, conferences on Zoom or other social media um, in order to determine productivity. And candidly, um, people of our age, guys and, and mine, uh, may not be as adept at pivoting uh, to the new virtual means of communication and productivity. But one of the things I think that we have to keep in mind um, is that as an employee or as an employer, uh, there are still certain requirements uh, that we have uh, imposed on us by the relationship we have with each other and by the government um, that need to be thought about. For example, uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act will um, will uh, uh, require employers to pay overtime for certain uh, non-exempt. I'm sorry, exempt employees um, uh, for a time spent over 40 hours a week. Well, if you're in the office and you punch a time card, uh, or uh, as we do here, we sign in and out. Uh, it's fairly easy for the employer to gather that information and then accurately account to its employees for their additional overtime earned. Uh, also, the, the employee can, can justify to the employer how much time she's worked, what vacation time she has earned, and uh, uh, justifies uh, the salary or wage that she, that she earns. How do you do that if you're at home? You have everybody call in in the morning? That doesn't seem to make much sense. You give everybody uh, an, an employer laptop that uh, will be activated uh, when uh, the employer, the employee is in front of that laptop. That might make some sense. That's going to create extra costs, I think, and support costs. Um, and um, so all of these things need to be addressed, at least those things need to be addressed by the new environment. That, uh, that the employer and employee find themselves in. Uh, and uh, we have to start thinking about that. You know, we didn't want to package this uh, presentation uh, as anything other than something to provoke some thought uh, for both employers and employees as to, as to how they would go about, how they might go about doing that. Um, Jim mentioned keystrokes. Some employ employers have the ability to monitor an employee's laptop or desktop and can see exactly how many characters are being put into the system in, in a particular day. They can monitor website, uh, website um, uh, use and things of that nature. 
all of these things are a little different, I think, when you're home. I've been home for the last six weeks. It's a totally different experience for me. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, now I've been practicing law for 35 years, and uh, so I'm sort of a known quantity around here, as is, as is Jim. But for a younger lawyer who's trying to uh, carve out his or her career, uh, you want to make sure that person wants to make sure that, that they know that the, that the, the firm um, uh, values their contributions and they want to know, they want the firm to know what those contributions are. And those will change from, uh, from um, uh, discipline to discipline. I was, I was reading, uh, uh, he's a billionaire bond investor. You know, I don't know many of them, but his name is Jeffrey Gunlock. And uh, his, his view, in a recent article that I read, said that uh, or, or suggested that it's not gonna, going to be the boots-on-the-ground workers, you know, the ones who have gotten us through this, uh, this pandemic and who have performed so, so admirably uh, uh, over the last two months. But he believes that there may be a wave of more higher-end unemployment hitting what I'll call white-collar workers making $100,000 a year or above um, because studies seem to be indicating that when CEOs and board members and higher-ups in these big companies need a question answered, it seems to be answered by people two or three down, two or three rungs down the corporate ladder as opposed to somebody who's managing those people. Yeah, I like Gunlock's reference to Warren Buffett's uh, statement, the quote was, when the tide goes out, you find out who is swimming naked. That, of course, is the opposite of when uh, the tide comes in, all boats rise. But um, to Guy's point, there are uh, indications that people can be a lot more productive working remotely. If you take somebody who has a two-hour or three-hour commute, um, you know, three hours uh, total for the day, that person can uh, use that time really productively to increase um, their contribution to their employer and, and still have time left over to spare. So that may be appealing to a lot of um, employees. We understand from uh, surveys done by CNBC, for example, that uh, a large majority of workers in consulting and research, 85%, in insurance, 84%, in advertising and marketing, 73%, in finance and financial services, 70%, and in the legal industry, 68%, have been doing their jobs remotely as a result of the coronavirus outbreak. Speaking personally, a fair amount of the work that we as lawyers do today can be done electronically. We have huge volumes of electronic communications between lawyers in transactions. Documents are, are transmitted electronically. We can file pleadings in the Court of Common Pleas, Chester County, in Philadelphia County, or in many counties throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, in federal court, in all of the appellate courts. We can file briefs electronically. So we and our support personnel can work remotely on those projects, and we can work really efficiently. I would think um, Dunlock's statement is a little short-sighted. I mean, it's not really a question of saying, well, 
all of these folks in middle management can go now um, because uh, you're doing away with the wisdom and the human contact. And we are social creatures. And of course, human contact is one of the most important aspects of many of the things we do. Well, he, he's got to be a pretty sharp guy because he runs a $135 billion hedge fund. That's billion with a B. So my suspicion is he's very capable at, at uh, uh, projecting what businesses are looking at as far as bottom line profitability and things of that nature. I, you know, the, the, um, if I was one of those middle management sorts, uh, who was responsible for other people, I would make sure that I had a job description or a chart of work or some form of uh, uh, objective uh, uh, goals and duties that I need to perform. So if somebody were to, were to suggest that perhaps uh, I was not as valuable as, uh, as I thought I was, I could uh, I could refer to a job description or uh, a performance evaluation which contained uh, uh, goals uh, that I could show I uh, I am I am meeting and that's it would be more important I think in a in a situation where uh, you're not in the office you're not in evidence every day. Uh, where everyone who sees you at your desk believes you're hard at work. You know, I'm reminded of a movie that I love. It's called Office Space. It's been out for quite a while, but there's a uh, there's a scene in Office Space where two consultants are interviewing a middle management sort uh, who did really doesn't do anything for the company. Well, he's just there. He's been around for years. He's vestigial in the sense that nobody knows what he does. And one of the one of the uh, uh, consultants asks him, what would you say you do here? And, and he didn't have an answer for that. And I would suggest to uh, people who find themselves perhaps uh, in uncomfortable waters working at home remotely, uh, not being around uh, an office environment where they're, where they're used to getting involved in, in immediately in things, uh, that you think about what exactly do I do here and uh, and why do I do it well and why am I valuable? And I think the employer on the flip side would want to have that same sort of uh, of, uh, of job description uh, or, or objective checklist so they could be fair to folks when uh, uh, and, and articulate actual reasons for for whatever it is they decide to do down the road. And I would make the point that even though we, I guess we're baby boomers, may not be as adept with computer skills as, say, millennials or Generation Z, um, the employers do have a responsibility to uh, make sure that the older folks in their, among their employees are retrained as necessary to work remotely. You can't just terminate an older person in favor of the younger person without uh, violating laws against uh, age discrimination. I, I will say, though, <clears throat> speaking in de my defense, uh, is I, I grew up um, with Pong and Atari and Nintendo, and so I'm 
really, I'm a gamer, so I'm not too bad uh, with with technology. And remarkably, the technology that it takes uh, to to conduct work from home, in my experience, and I've taken depositions uh, via Zoom. I've presided in public meetings, which are live streamed to to everyone. Um, uh, I've I've um, uh, had conferences with federal judges. I mean, that's a high level. That's a high level piece of work for an attorney, and it's all been very simple. It's all been uh, promoted uh, by the government. Our county does a great job of of making sure that uh, its business runs seamlessly, both the courts uh, and uh, uh, the county departments and agencies in general, and so. Um, Jim's point is well taken. You have to train folks. You have to have a training program for for those things. It's not expensive. It's not complicated. And believe me, the, the employer employees, if they're anything like they are here, will appreciate will appreciate um, that sort of uh, of in service in service training. It makes you better at your job. You feel better about your job, and the job gets done uh, more efficiently and um, uh, you're more fulfilled, in my view. Added to the uh, work which we do electronically on documents and through um, and briefs and, and pleadings, um, filing, preparing them, et cetera. We also have been doing, um, have been conducting depositions um, remotely through Zoom or other means. We've been conducting hearings even. And, and that's going to, my prediction, uh, increase in number because it actually makes us all more adept, um, more agile at uh, fielding a lot of information, uh, being in a lot of different places all at once. Um, it's good for the entire system. There are, of course, workers who uh, cannot work remotely. These in industries include teaching, uh, where remote learning is at best challenging. I can tell you having kids who are taking the entire semester of courses remotely, uh, social work, mental health, hotel, restaurant, entertainment generally, all retail, of course, and personal grooming such as barbers, nail salons, hair salons, all of those have, uh, have been desperately affected by um, the coronavirus and uh, need to go back to work and, and, and need to do so with certain protocols and in effect. And um, employees generally have to embrace the new norms, figure out how to work in the office or remotely to the best advantage of their employer. We have um, all got to pivot to best practices for hygiene and good health. Hand washing as many ten, as 10 times a day has, has been proven to lessen the likelihood of exposure to the virus. Um, we, in this office, uh, we're observing social distancing, face masks where appropriate. Uh, we make sure that we have a lot of space between clients and attorneys in our conference rooms. We clean everything assiduously, the rooms, the tables, between every meeting. Um, and we also, um, reinforce with our employees that if they've had contact with a sick person or if they have manifested 
any sorts of symptoms themselves, stay at home, work remotely. That's a key component of this post-COVID world. Yeah, I, 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 Jim makes great points. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak now a little bit about how I think the office environment has changed. Um, and uh, you know, this isn't a necessarily a, a, a legal observation, but I'll try to tie it into a, a legal concept. You know, you're, you're supposed to treat people in an office and it's the law in a non-discriminatory way. And we should all strive to do that. We should do that. There should be policies in place to make sure that happens. Uh, we're not, uh, we have to be extra vigilant not to harass anybody, even if it's, uh, even if it's uh, uh, unintentional. We have to be more considerate. And it has been my observation as, as someone who doesn't think twice about barging into another lawyer's office or asking uh, a member of our litigation team to, to do something. I, I believe this, is, this experience has given us an opportunity to be kinder and more appreciative in the office for the people that devote sometimes their entire lives to, um, to, this, uh, to this firm. So uh, let's take an opportunity to wear our masks, be considerate to folks who are in the office, and, um, uh, and um, uh, maybe that will eliminate some, uh, some issues down the road for employees and employers. I heard a, a nurse observe uh, uh, one of the nurses who works for a major uh, medical system in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, um, which has been very successful, parenthetically, at uh, avoiding infection. Uh, she observed that um, there had been a tradition, kind of the Puritan work ethic, that you showed up for work regardless of whether you felt sick or not, because that was what we understood we were obligated to do in this culture. And she said the the employees of that healthcare system had to be retrained and had to relearn not to show up for work if they felt they had any symptoms of a cold. That's an important lesson, it seems to me. And, and we all have to encourage that as, as employers. We all have to remember that as employees. You're not uh, doing anyone a service, you're, least of all your employer, if you're showing up sick because you might infect other people. It's a, it's a social obligation. We all have to learn about our social obligations to others with whom we work uh, to make sure that we're preserving hygiene to keep them safe. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt either if uh, you know if you've got somebody that's come in under circumstances where they'd rather stay home to uh, you know bring in a pizza for the office. Uh, she, uh, everybody likes uh, everybody likes a nice slice of pie, and uh, I know here that uh, we you know we make an effort to um, make an effort and encourage everyone to try to, to get along and to be considerate. Nothing says that more than bringing in lunch every once in a while for, for folks. So, um, 
In any event, Lamb McElane is here to help you work through this unique and interesting person. We're all period. We're all glad to talk and uh, have discussions about best practices. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, the information that we have provided on this show does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all the information and content discussed on this show is for general informational purposes only. Sure. And for informational and entertainment purposes only. Yes. Right. Well, this is the second time that Jim and I have done this together. Um, and uh, and uh, we consider it a privilege to be affiliated with this radio uh, radio station. They play great music. Before we came on, I, I thought I heard Eric Clapton call me the breeze, which was my favorite song for a while. I think I have that right. Uh, so everybody take care of themselves. Thank you. You've been listening, listening to the Lamb Macerlane Legal Show, heard every other Thursday at 1230 on WCHE 1520, the talk of Chester County.